Welcome back to the Worthy C Podcast. This is Chip Stewart. It's Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024. And uh, this episode is about Ignatius Loyola and the spiritual exercises. Um, I am, I've decided to tackle um, this subject um, because I, I wanted to prevent uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ from um, inadvertently using products that come out of the spiritual exercises because I believe um, once we are done with this podcast, you will see that it is um, not a, a biblical document. Uh, it's not based in scripture and it is heavy laden with error and, and you'll see purposes of it that look more like indoctrination and, and brainwashing. Um, and, I, and I think that will become clear as we go through it. So I, I've read the entire document, the spiritual exercises, um, that was um, const- created by Ignatius Loyola. Um, and so just, I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about Loyola. Um, I, I haven't been able to research him to my satisfaction, really share a whole lot. Um, but some basic um, information on him. He was born... Inigo Lopez de Oñas y Loyola in uh, Loyola Castile in uh, in Spain, and um, he was wounded fighting the French in uh, in Pamplona, Spain, in 1521. And uh, just to get you the date of his birth, he's born in 1491. Okay, so later on in 1521, he was wounded by a cannonball in Pamplona, Spain. Apparently, this this ruined his. Um, chances of becoming a great military leader um, like he originally um, desired. Um, so he he uh, he later went on and had a, a spiritual awakening and things like that that led to the spiritual exercises. Um, he is also the founder of the Society of Jesus, which are better known as the Jesuits. Um, and, and that organization is considered to be one of the principal agents or considered to be the principal agent in the Counter-Reformation and they demonstrate a fierce loyalty to the Pope. Um, they demand four, four vows of its members, poverty, chastity, obedience to Christ, and obedience to the Pope. Um, the purpose of the Jesuits is the propagation of the Catholic faith by any means possible. And by any means possible, and I've heard this in, in other places as well, it's an ends justifies the means sort of organization where anything... Um, even if it's forbidden by the Bible, is justified as long as it has a good, air quote, end that, that supports the Pope, that supports the Catholic Church. And then, um, and, and this is a direct quote from um, the, uh, the Got Questions article on, on the, Jesu- the Jesuits. Um, the Counter-Reformation in the 16th and 17th centuries was largely due to the Jesuits. With their vows of total obedience to the Pope and their strict military-style training, the Jesuits became feared across Europe as the stormtroopers of the Catholic Church, and they led armies which recaptured large areas for the Roman Catholic Church. So as those who are um, who their faith has come out of the Reformation and their, our understanding of the Bible uh, from the Reformation, um, we should not see this organization as someone that is friendly um, to a, um, a faithful interpretation of, of the scriptures and following Christ. Um, also of note is in regards to the Jesuits, the current Pope, uh, Pope Francis, also uh, his, his real name is Jorge Mario Bergoglio. Um, he's a Jesuit. 
Okay, so that's just a little bit on Ignatius Loyola, and the and the Jesuits are also known as the Society of Jesus. We as Protestants should see them as a, as a threat. So, what are the spiritual exercises? Um, they were written by Loyola and approved by Pope Paul III in 1548. Prior to his writing this, he spent a few days praying before a statue of the Virgin Mary in Montserrat, Spain. And then uh, later on, at some point after that, he spent 10 months um, self-flagellation, you know, torturing himself mentally and physically. Um, and, and some of that time was spent in a cave in uh, Maresa, Spain. Um, so some, some kind of red flags um, that are going on right there. Um, I have a quote that I, I, I haven't been able to actually pull the, 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 um, the book myself. It was, I get it secondhand, so I'd rather not share it. I'd like to see it actually quoted in, uh, in the book itself. Um, so I'm, I'm going to withhold that. And um, the, uh, the exercises that he came up with served as training for his followers in, in the Jesuits. So overall, when you look at the exercises... It takes four weeks. It's four weeks of exercises where you are isolated completely from your, your acquaintances. Um, it, it consists of multiple exercises that generally change with each passing week. Um, each exercise generally contains a preparatory prayer, preludes, points, and, and colloquies. Um, and exercises are generally performed at set times of the day, before supper, after supper, midnight, morning, he calls um, these things to be done at, at different specific times of the day. Um, it involves the person who is going through the exercises and also a person who is administering them. So someone's in charge of administering them to the, the, um, the exercisee, if you will. It's heavily formulaic. And as I go through it, it looks a lot like brainwashing and indoctrination. And you'll see why as, as I read through um, some of the elements of, of the spiritual exercises. Um, overall, it is very short on scripture. And when it does cite or imply scripture, it, it, it is oftentimes misused. Um, and, and you'll see in the, in the four weeks, it focuses more on a person's imagination and what's in their mind rather than on the Word of God itself and studying the Scriptures. It takes out little snippets of Scripture, like about the Nativity, um, maybe um, elements of Jesus in, uh, in Jerusalem as he's going to the cross, you know, things like that, but very short, not really a whole lot of truth. They're more event-based rather than truth-based. And, um, and you contemplate on these within the exercises. And a lot of it is, um, as I said, you're in your imagination, you're making stuff up um, as you go through. And, and I'll show that here in a minute. The, um, the spiritual exercises themselves are replete with error. Um, and, and, and a lot of them are what we hear from the Roman church in general. Um, one of them is, is placing church precepts and recommendations of superiors on the same level of Scripture. Um, it declares that any act against the Ten Commandments, precepts of the church, or recommendations of superiors is sin. Um, it seems to focus on works-based salvation. It, it states that man is created to praise, reverence, and serve God our Lord. Okay, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Um, and, and by this means to save his soul. So it says you, you 
you praise, reverence, and serve God our Lord to save your soul. That's not what the Bible says. Um, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8-9, through 9, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is, a, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So it directly contradicts what the Bible is saying. It sounds like work-based, works-based salvation. Um, and then uh, works-based salvation. Twelfth day on Palm Sunday, um, in the, in, as written in the, in, the, um, in the exercises, the first humility the first matter of humility is necessary for eternal salvation. So we're placing another um, criteria on eternal salvation here. Namely, that I so lower and so humble myself as much as is possible to me, that in everything I obey the law of God, so that even if they made me Lord of all the created things in this world, n- nor for my own temporal life, I would not be in deliberation about breaking a commandment whether divine or human, which binds me under mortal sin. So again, it, it sounds work-based, works-based, to humble yourself and not break any of the, the laws. It's necessary for eternal salvation. But as we know, the command is to repent and believe on the name of Jesus Christ to have eternal life. Um, in, in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15, um, Jesus here is preaching repentance. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Believe the good news. And then I'll follow that with Romans in chapter 10, starting in verse 9 and going through 13 about what you need to do to have eternal life. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So there's there's nothing else. There's nothing else in addition to that. Repent and believe. The, um, another error, it makes a distinction between venial and mortal sins and defects. And this is, this is not scriptural. Um, James chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So these distinctions between venial, venial and mortal sins and defects um, is, is not supported by the scriptures. There's also the worship of Mary uh, within the, the um, spiritual exercises. Um, there's Hail Marys in there, praying to her, asking for her grace and intercession on your behalf. There's also worship of the saints, prayers to the saints, um, and saints that are identified by the Roman church. Whereas in the scripture, it tells us all who believe in Jesus are saints. They're not these super saints or anything like that that are designated by the, by the church. Um, it is all believers are saints. Um, it, uh, it teaches penance, the, the spiritual exercises, um, teaches penance for sin. And we'll, we'll talk about that in, more in a minute, but penance is defined by Webster's 1828 Dictionary as the suffering labor of pain to which a person voluntarily subjects himself or which is imposed on him by authority as a punishment for his faults or as an expression of penitence, such as fasting, flagellation, wearing change, etc. 
Penance is one of the seven sacraments of the Romish church. So Romans chapter 8, going to Romans <laughs> chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, there is therefore no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no need for penance, for punishing yourself for your sins. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Um, and, and finally, in the errors um, that, that I've identified in here, and there could be more, there seems to be a hint of pantheism um, where, where God is everything, God is in everything. Um, this is from the contemplation to gain love section of the spiritual exercises. Again, this is kind of subtle, but in the second point of uh, the contemplation to gain love, um, the second, to look how God dwells in creatures, in the elements, giving them being, in the plants vegetating, in the animals feeling in them, in men giving them to understand, and so in me, giving me being, animating me, giving me sensation, and making me to understand. Likewise, making a temple of me, being created to the likeness and image of his divine majesty, reflecting as much on myself in the way which is said in the first point, or in another which I feel to be better in the same manner will be done on each point which follows. Third point, the third, to consider how God works and labors for me in all things created on the face of the earth, that is, behaves like one who labors, as in the heavens, elements, plants, fruits, cattle, etc., giving them being, preserving them, giving them vegetation and sensation, etc., then to reflect on myself. So I think there's a subtle hit of pantheism there. Maybe I've misidentified it. Um, I, you know, that's, to me, that's minor compared to some of these other things, but it is concerning, um, if true, if that's his intent there. Um, it contain, it, the, uh, the spiritual exercise contain a lot of concerning elements. Um, it talks about as you're going through these, um, exercises to identify the different spirits that are communicating in you, through you, to you, um, during the exercises, you will hear thoughts from yourself as well as um, as good and bad spirits. This is me. This is my words here. Um, this is the, a direct quote um, from the spiritual exercise itself. I presuppose that there are three kinds of thoughts in me. That is, one my own, which springs from my mere liberty and will, and two others, which come from without. One from the good spirit, and the other from the bad. So I can't help but imply that they're expecting to hear from these good spirits and bad spirits as they're going through these exercises. And then in the particular and daily examine, um, they're focusing, like dwelling on particular sins to better ourselves. I mean, in it, you're recording how many times that you, you committed the sin in a day and you figure out how not to do it and you, you chart your progress over time. I mean, there's actual, like, there's like almost like a workbook for it. Um, I'll, I'll read through the particular, <coughs> excuse me, I'll read through the particular and daily examine straight from um, the, the spiritual exercises. It contains in it three times and two to examine oneself. The first time is in the morning, immediately on rising, when one ought to propose to guard himself with diligence against that particular sin or defect which he wants to correct and amend. The second time is after dinner, when one is to ask of God our Lord, 
what one wants, namely grace to remember how many times he has fallen into that particular sin or defect and to amend himself in the future. Then let him make the first examine, asking account of his soul of that particular thing proposed, which he wants to correct and amend. Let him go over hour by hour, period by period, commencing at the hour he rose and continuing up to the hour and incident of the present examine, and let him make in the first line of the, and this is like the workbook lines, starts with a G, um, with the first line of the G, as many dots as were the times he has fallen into that particular sin or defect. Then let him resolve anew to amend himself, to amend himself up to the second examine, which he will make. The third time, after supper, the second examine will be made, in the same way, hour by hour, commencing at the first examine and continuing up to the present one, and let him make in the second line of the same G as many dots as were the times he has fallen into that particular sin or defect. So now there are four additions. Um, follow these, I guess, to rid oneself sooner of that particular sin or defect. First addition. The first addition is that each time one falls into that particular sin or defect, let him put his hand on his breast, grieving for having fallen, which can be done even in the presence of many without their perceiving what he is doing. Second addition. The second. As the first line of the G means the first examine, the second line, the second examine, let him look at night if there is amendment from the first line to the second, that is, from the first examine to the second. Third edition. The third, to compare the second day with the first, that is, the two examines of the present day with the other two examines of the previous day, and see if he has amended himself from one day to another, amended meaning improve. Fourth edition, the fourth edition to compare one week with another and see if he has amended himself in the present week over the past week. Note, it is to be noted that the first large G which follows means the Sunday, the second smaller, the Monday, the third, the Tuesday, and so on. So the G gets smaller and smaller as you go through the days in the workbook. I guess the hope there is that you are um, committing that sin or defect less and less. So that is um, the particular and daily examine that this requires you to go through, and you're just dwelling on your sin um, day after day. Um, but, you know, when I read the scriptures, I go to 1 John um, in, in chapter 1, and uh, there's always 1 John 1, 9, but I'm going to start reading in, in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So yes, we do sin, but we should immediately confess our sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not dwell on the sin and then in, in like this workspace trying to get it out of ourselves. We should be praying to him to forgive us and use the spirit in us to help rid us of, of whatever sin is plaguing us. It's just a very, very peculiar um, method that is being asked for here. Um, another concerning um, element of the spiritual exercise, that you, the, lots of use of the imagination. In other words, making stuff up. You know, as Christians, we rely on the Word. We rely on the, the, uh, the Scriptures to, to inform us. But here, there's a lot of being in your own mind and making stuff up which is very concerning. So we're going to take as our first example, the fifth exercise during the first week. It's a meditation on hell, which consists of a preparatory prayer, two preludes, five points, and a, and a colloquy. So the first prayer is the usual preparatory prayer. 
um, the preparatory prayers to ask God, ask grace of God, our Lord, that all my intentions, actions, and operations may be directed purely to the service and praise of His divine Majesty. It sounds like it's justifying whatever is coming because it's good. You know, the Lord wants me to do this, and may He use it, whatever this this crazy stuff I'm about to do is. Um, and then it goes into two two preludes. Um, the first is, imagine the length, breadth, and depth of hell. Why would we do that? And the second will be here to ask for interior sense of the pain which the damned suffer in order that if, through my faults, I should forget the love of the eternal Lord, at least the fear of the pains may help me not to come into sin. We're imagining about hell here. And the pain, the damned suffer. Why? And then there are five points. The first point will be to see with the sight of the imagination the great fires and the souls as in bodies of fire. The second, to hear with the ears, wailings, howlings, cries, blasphemies against Christ our Lord and against all his saints. Do you think our Lord Jesus Christ wants us to imagine the blasphemies that people say against him and dwell on that? Really? The third, to smell with the smell smoke, sulfur, dregs, and putrid things. Really? The fourth, to taste with the taste bitter things like tears, sadness, and the worm of conscience. The fifth, to touch with the touch, that is to say how the fires touch and burn the souls. And then it ends with one colloquy. What is this? We're, this is directing you to imagine hell and dwell on that? Are you kidding me? Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is, is, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. These practices were certainly not done by Paul. And you're certainly not, not um, thinking about things that are commendable, lovely, honorable, just, pure, excellent when, you're, when you're, you're dreaming up things about hell. Another example. Um, this, is a, uh, and this is the first day of week two, the contemplation on the incarnation nativity. The first contemplation is on the incarnation, so the prayer is the usual. It's the same. Um, the first prelude is, is determined um, to send the second person as man to save the human race. The second prelude is a focus on Our Lady's home in Nazareth. The third prelude uh, is to ask for interior knowledge of the Lord. The first point is to visualize the people of the earth, three divine persons looking down on the people, Our Lady and the angels saluting her. Second point, hear what the people on earth are saying, swearing, blaspheming, what divine persons are saying, the angel and Our Lady are saying. Where is this dialogue coming from? It's, it's completely imaginary. How is this profitable for us as Christians? And again, it's calling us to dream up the swearing and blaspheming that people are doing on earth. Why? The third point, visualize what the people on the earth are doing, killing, going to hell, what the divine persons are doing, what the angel and Our Lady are doing. 
And then the colloquy, think what I ought to say to the divine persons or to our mother and lady or to the eternal word incarnate. So the second contemplation is on the nativity. The third and fourth contemplations are to repeat contemplations one and two. The fifth contemplations will be to bring the five senses on the first and second contemplation. So that's why I shared the first and second with you. Um, is so is more importantly for this fifth contemplation. First point: to see the persons with the sight of the imagination, meditating and contemplating in particular details about them and drawing some profit from the sight. I think I'd rather draw profit from reading the scriptures, wouldn't you? Second point: to hear with the hearing what they are or might be talking about and reflecting on oneself to draw some profit from it. What they might be talking about. Is that truth? No, it's not. We're making stuff. It's falsehood that we are dwelling on here. We're making stuff up. Third point, to smell and to taste with the smell and the taste, the infinite fragrance and sweetness of the divinity, of the soul and of its virtues, and of all according to the purpose who is being contemplated, reflecting on oneself and drawing profit from it. The fourth point, to touch with the touch, as for instance, to embrace and kiss the places where such persons put their feet and sit, always seeing to my, my drawing profit from it. Why am I kissing the place, places where people sat? Can somebody tell me? <clears throat> okay, let's go on to fourth day, meditation on two standards. Oh, this one's interesting. We're meditating on two standards, the one of Christ, our commander-in-chief and Lord, the other of Lucifer, mortal enemy of our human nature. So, the prayer is the usual. First prelude. The first prelude is the narrative. It will be here how Christ calls and wants all under his standard, and Lucifer, on the contrary, under his. Second prelude. The second, a composition, seeing the place. It will be here to see a great field of all that region of Jerusalem where the supreme commander-in-chief of the good is Christ our Lord. Another field in the region of Babylon where the chief of the enemy is Lucifer. Third prelude. The third to ask for what I want. And it will be here to ask for knowledge of the deceits of the bad chief and help to guard myself against them. And for knowledge of the true life which the supreme and true captain shows and grace to imitate him. I mean, if you're looking for truth and stuff, why don't you just read the scriptures? First point. The first point is to imagine. This is a good one. The first point is to imagine as if the chief of all the enemy seated himself in that great field of Babylon as in a great chair of fire and smoke in shape horrible and terrifying. Why, 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 why are we imagining about Lucifer? Second point. The second to consider how he issues a summons to innumerable demons and how he scatters them, some to one city and others to another, and so through all the world, not omitting any provinces, places, states, nor any persons in particular. Third point, the third to consider the discourse which he makes them and how he tells them to cast out nets and chains that they have first attempt with a longing for riches, as he is accustomed to in most cases, that men may more easily come to vain honor of the world and then to vast pride, so that the first step shall be that of riches, the second that of honor, the third that of pride, and from these three steps he draws, draws on to all the other, devi- sorry, all the other vices. 
So on the contrary, one has to imagine as to the supreme and true captain who is Christ our Lord. And so the first point, the first point is to consider how Christ our Lord puts himself in the great field of that region of Jerusalem in lowly place, beautiful and attractive. I thought our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is now sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Second point. The second to consider how the Lord of all the world chooses so many persons, apostles, disciples, etc., and sends them through all the world, spreading his sacred doctrine through all states and conditions of persons. Third point. The third to consider the discourse which Christ our Lord makes to all his servants and friends whom he sends on this expedition, recommending them to want to help all by bringing them first to the highest spiritual poverty and if his divine majesty would be served and would want to choose them, no less to actual poverty. The second is to be of, uh, boy, I'm going to mispronounce this. I actually looked it up too. Uh, contumely uh, is basically an, ins- an insolent act and contempt because from these two things, humility follows. So that there are to be three steps. The first, poverty against riches. The sex, contumely or contempt against worldly honor, the third, humility against pride. And from these three steps, let them induce to all the others virtues. And then the first colloquy, to Our Lady and Hail Mary. Second colloquy, ask the same of the Son. Third colloquy, ask the same of the Father. So you have uh, the, the Mother, Father, and Son. That sounds a lot like the Unholy Trinity. Let's continue. Um, another concerning... Um, element of these spiritual exercises is forcing emotions on oneself, faking your emotions. It's falsehood. Uh, Third week, first day, how Christ our Lord went from Bethany to Jerusalem to the Last Supper inclusively. This is done at midnight. Fourth point. I've skipped a lot of points. I'm just just, uh, focusing on the fourth point here. To consider that which Christ our Lord is suffering in his humanity or wants to suffer according to the passage which is being contemplated, and here to commence with much vehemence and to force myself to grieve, be sad and weep, and so to labor through the other points which follow. Fake grieving. Why? Why, why, is it, why, why are we being called to grieve? Third week, second day. Second contemplation from the supper to the garden inclusively. This is the third note from that day. To force myself why I'm getting up and dressing to be sad and grieve over such great grief and such great suffering of Christ our Lord. Rather to draw myself to grief and to pain and anguish, bringing to mind frequently the labors, fatigues, and pains of Christ our Lord, which he suffered from the moment when he was born up to the mystery of the Passion. Christ doesn't want us to be grieving. He wants us to rejoice always and not to pretend to grieve for him. It, it's finished. And he is alive. He is in heaven. And he's coming back. Then we have the uh, something called the sixth edition. And this says, not to want to think on things of... This, and I think you can add the additions to what you're doing regularly through the, the exercises over the course of the weeks and days. Not, not to want to think on things of pleasure or joy, such as heavenly glory, the resurrection, etc. Because whatever consideration of joy and gladness hinders our feeling pain and grief and shedding tears for our sins but to keep before me that but, but to keep before me that I want to grieve and feel pain bringing to memory rather death and judgment why he has freed us christ has freed us why are we why are we dwelling on 
our sin and grieving and feeling pain makes no sense. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Not to grieve about your sins or anything like that over and over. I, I told you to, he said, to, to confess your sin and he is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins. Not this unnatural mourning or grieving, this, this, to deny ourselves any sort of pleasure, joy in thinking about heavenly glory or the resurrection. Here's another uh, edition, the 10th edition. This is penance. Okay, and, and you think of these editions as being um, added to the exercises themselves. So here's where, this is where I think a, like a lot of the torture and deprivation comes in, where you think of it like brainwashing and indoctrination. So this is divided into interior and exterior. The interior is to grieve for one's sins with a firm purpose of not committing not, with a firm purpose of not committing them nor any others. The exterior or fruit of the first is chastisement for the sins committed and is chiefly taken in three ways. The first way is as to eating, basically denying oneself suitable food. This is basically starving oneself. And there's actually a note in here that you, you want to avoid injuring yourself. And it's the same thing for the second one. The second as to the manner of sleeping, deny oneself suitable sleep. This is sleep deprivation. So we have starvation, sleep deprivation. The third way, the third to chastise the flesh. That is giving it sensible pain, which is given by wearing hair cloth or cords or iron chains next to the flesh, by scourging or wounding oneself, and by other acts of other kinds of austerity. So you are injuring yourself in the process. Note, what appears most suitable and most secure with regard to penance, is that the pain should be sensible in the flesh and not enter within the bones, so they that so that it give pain and not illness. For this it appears to be more suitable to scourge oneself with thin cords, which give pain exteriorly, rather than in another way, which could which would cause notable illness within. First note. The first note is that the exterior penances are done chiefly for three ends. First, as satisfaction for the sins committed. Didn't, excuse me, didn't Jesus Christ pay the penalty for our sins on the cross? Second, to conquer oneself, that is to make sensuality, obey reason, and all inferior parts be more subject to the superior. Third, to seek and find some grace or gift which the person wants and desires, as for instance, if he desires to have interior contrition for his sins, or to weep much over them, or over the pains and sufferings with Christ, which Christ our Lord suffered in his passion, or to settle some doubt in which the person finds himself. With all that being said about scourging yourself, chastisement, um, chastising the flesh, Paul says this sort of behavior has no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. If you turn to Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 20, if, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why? As if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, 
but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. No value. All right, we're getting toward the end. Um, this is also part of the indoctrination piece, and this is where I believe that they are um, indoctrinating them for loyalty to their superiors. So during the second week, the call of the temporal king as opposed to the eternal king. So the temporal king is the one here on earth. The eternal king is um, they're referring to Jesus in heaven. Um, it helps to contemplate the life of the king eternal. For, it leads off with a prayer. I think it's the usual prayer. Um, first prelude. You'll be here to see with the sight of the imagination. So here we are back to the imagination. The synagogues, villages, and towns through which Christ our Lord preached. Second prelude, it will be here to ask grace of our Lord that I may not be deaf to his call, but ready and diligent to fulfill his most holy will. So saying, I'm going to obey orders. First point, to put before me a human king chosen by God our Lord, whom all Christian princes and men reverence and obey. Who could that be? Could be Loyola, could be the Pope. Second point, to look how this king speaks to all his people saying, it is my will to conquer all the land of unbelievers. Therefore, whoever would like to come with me is to be content to eat as I, and also to drink and dress, etc., as I. Likewise, he is to labor like me in the day and watch in the night, etc., that so afterwards he may have part with me in the victory, as he, had, as he has had it in the labors. It, it, it is my will to conquer all the land of unbelievers. I I didn't think this was how what Jesus meant by make disciples of all nations. Um, he, he didn't say anything about using force to convert people and to conquer people. So this is a bit odd. Third point, to consider what the good subjects ought to answer to a king so liberal and so kind. And hence, if anyone did not accept the appeal of such a king, how deserving he would be of being censured by all the world and held for a mean-spirited knight. So how anyone that, that refused the orders of this temporal king, um, then he would be censured. Um, he would be hated, basically. Um, so here we are transferring obedience from God to the, the human king, <coughs> excuse me, the temporal king, and um, you know, needing to follow his orders. So part of the indoctrination. And then um, the, 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 um, the final main part I want to look at are the three methods of prayer um, that are in, included in the spiritual exercise. The first method, um, the first method of prayer is on the Ten Commandments, on the seven deadly sins, on the three powers of the soul, which are memory, intellect, and will, and on the five bodily senses. Not, not sure why those last couple had to be included there, but um, note, whoever wants to imitate Christ our Lord in the use of his senses, let him in the preparatory prayer recommend himself to his divine majesty, and after considering on each sense, say a Hail Mary or an Our Father. And whoever wants to imitate Our Lady in the use of the senses, I, I don't really know what that means. How, we, how do you imitate someone else in the use of their senses? Anyway, let him in the preparatory prayer recommend himself to her, that she may get him grace from her son and Lord for it, for it, and after considering on each sense, say a Hail Mary. Second method of prayer. It is by contemplating the meaning of each word of the prayer. Contemplating the meaning of each word of the prayer. So second method of prayer. The second method of prayer is that the person kneeling or seated according to the greater disposition in which he finds himself 
and as more devotion accompanies him, keeping the eyes closed or fixed on one place without going wandering with them, says, Father, and is on the consideration of this word as long as he finds meanings, comparisons, relish, and consolation considerations pertaining to such a word. And let him do in the same way on each word of the Our Father or of any other prayer which he wants to say in this way. First rule. The first rule is that he will be an hour on the whole Our Father in the manner already mentioned, which finished, he will say, a Hail Mary, Creed, Soul of Christ, and Hail, Holy Queen, vocally or mentally, according to the usual way. Third method. It will be by rhythm. Third method of prayer. The third method of prayer is that with which each breath in or out, one has to pray mentally, saying one word of the Our Father or of another prayer which is being recited, so that only one word be said between one breath and another. And while the time from one breath breath to another lasts, let attention be given cheaply to the meaning of such word, or to the person to whom he recites it, or to his own baseness, or to the difference from such great height to his own so great lowness. Not sounding like biblical prayer. Um, you read the prayers of people like our Lord, um, Daniel, Nehemiah, anyone else. They're praying to an entity, and they are having a. It's almost like having a conversation. They are confessing. They are asking. They are extolling the Lord, but they they're talking to Him. And not this one word at a time, dwell on one word in a prayer. You're talking to your Lord. You're talking to your Lord. So instead, I would recommend um, that you reject these and go to the Bible and study how um, believers in the Bible, uh, followers of, of Christ, followers of God, prayed. And I think that will be much more, much more helpful um, for you. So... Um, I guess in conclusion, um, after bringing all this error and concerning elements to light, I recommend that this document um, be wholeheartedly rejected, reject it in its entirety, and um, don't trust any of the teachings of Ignatius Loyola writ large based on his background, um, his establishment of the Jesuits who, um, were, who led the charge against the Reformation. Um, and I know what you're saying, but Chip, you know, you're throwing out the baby with the bathwater. <laughs> my, my response would be, well, if you want to keep a baby that is a child of the devil, you go right ahead. So in summary, my assessment is that the spiritual exercises is, is the doctrine of demons.